0: Good evening everyone, my name is Brian and tonight is Monday, April 17th, 2023 and this is another episode of lots to talk about. And Tonight's episode is titled Barefoot to Boardroom, and my guest has lived a very colorful global life from a barefoot backpacker to a corporate leader. Some of his other job titles have included fire dancer, traditional tattooist, kindergarten teacher, motorcycle courier, masseuse, reflexologist, laborer, and travel consultant, but now his time is as a partner and father, a coach, a facilitator, and a retreat leader. He's the author of a recently published book, The Art of Conscious Communication for Thoughtful Men, and can be seen delivering his TEDx talk on YouTube, and I would like to welcome to Lots to Talk About, Jem Fuller. How's it going, man?
1: Hey, Brian. Really good, man. Yeah, good, good. It's um, bright and early in the morning here. I've been up for a few hours already with, with another meeting with someone else in the States earlier this morning, but um, the day is getting off to a good start.
0: Good, good. It's uh, yeah, we were kind of chatting a little bit before that we're kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. So everybody that's listening live can uh, know that tomorrow is still still going to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. the sun, the sun still comes up. We're
0: all still here. <laughs> Perfect. Um. So I kind of gave a little background of your work history. Uh, but you want to introduce to my audience who you are just uh, kind of that elevator pitch who you are. And then I'd like to get kind of into how that all that list happened um, kind of, yeah, it sounds like an interesting story.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've packed, I've packed um, a fair bit into the, the, I'm 51. So I've packed a fair bit into 51 years and I'm just going to go round figures and I'm I'm calling it, I reckon I'm halfway there. Um, Well, that remains to be seen, but I'm just going to go with halfway. and, And the first half has certainly been pretty colorful, but you know, today, uh, here I am. My partner and I have four teenagers, ranging from 19 down to 13 years old. Um, so that's a, a you know, a, a full bunch of goodness going on there. <laughs> they're <laughs>
0: to, but they're getting to that age where you're, you if you've done your job, your job's getting easier.
1: Yeah, it yeah, gets yeah. Really,
0: really hard, and then it gets easy.
1: Yeah, that's right. Oh, look, the last the last couple of years were were tricky, man. It's um, you know, of all of the of all of the challenges that life presents for us and and that we have to navigate, I reckon the parenting one can present some of the stuff that is the most, well, for me anyway, has been the most challenging, but um, one of my teenage boys, so my, my partner and I are a blended family. I came with two boys and she came with a girl and a boy. Um, And so the last eight years have been us, um, you know, just, just patiently allowing these kids to settle into being part of a bigger family than they ever were when they were younger which they've done now. They all they all love each other now, so that's great. But the younger of my two boys, um, through COVID, we in, in here in Victoria, in Australia, we had the longest, strongest lockdown measures globally. They they really locked us in here for a good two and a half years, you know. Um, and for my younger boy, that was a real struggle. And um, you know, he needs he needs to play sport. He needs to be with his friends. He he needs to be out and about. And having him locked up was really hard on him mentally and emotionally. So a lot of mental um not mental illness, but mental challenges. And as a parent, you're watching your child experience depression and anxiety and and all of these horrible things. It's just so hard to watch. And, and you, and and you then,
0: don't know you don't know what to do about it because you're all in a brand new situation. It's not yeah man. It's not like he's got a bully at school.
1: No. No. It was <laughs> it was brand new. And he started acting out. Bless him. I mean he's a he's a pretty rogue individual and, and I you know the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and I look back to what I was getting up to at his age and I'm like oh I can't really turn around and say to him don't do that but he's um you know so he started acting up and getting into trouble at school and out and about but he's he's come through it. The good news is he's come through it. He's about to turn seventeen and uh and he's 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 gonna be all good. So how
0: does how does um. How does that relate to the U S like 18 is either you kind of launch or you stick around for quite a while. Um, Yeah. is, is is what I've seen, or you go to university and then you come back and kind of bounce around. I did the, I went away, came back and then took off immediately.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My 19 year old is um, madly saving up as much money as he can. He's got his ticket booked. Uh, So he finished high school last year. And he's okay. been working ever since so that he can get out of here and go travel the world, which is exactly what I did. Um, and then the my younger boy has just started a carpentry apprenticeship. School is not for him. Um, he's pretty pretty high on the ADHD um, scale. But when he's got tools in his hand and he's working with a carpenter, building things, he's a great. He's focused and he's on. Um, and when he's surfing and when he's playing football, he's, he's great. So, um, yeah, it, it is about the age when that happens. Uh, you know, when I turned 18 finished high school. Actually, when I was turning 18, my best friend died. He had a motorcycle accident and, and died. I spent my 18th birthday sitting by his his bed in the hospital while he was in a coma. And then five days after that, the decision was made to switch off the machines. And that was halfway through my final year of high school. And I just cracked the shits and, and lost it and stopped studying, started drinking beer, um, kind of questioning life. And so as soon as I could get out of there i got out of there and and went overseas and then really got the travel bug through my 20s so i spent most of my my 20s very anti-establishment actually pretty pretty punk um doing whatever you
0: kind of you kind of do with that (laughs) i mean with that kind of sudden change um you just kind of pick up that attitude with it and you were just you were you were saying screw it and i mean it, it sounds like you just wanted to experience life while you while you could
1: yeah, man, I did. I, I did. And, you know, look, I've, I've done a fair bit of reflection and contemplation and psychoanalysis a- of my younger self. And, uh, and I was a reaction to my father, like a lot of young boys are. And I didn't want to be him. And he was quite conservative. He was a lovely man, um, but he was an upstanding citizen. You know, he was on the secretary. He was the secretary of the church council and he was working for, you know, fundraising community groups. And he was one of these conservative, Christian, upstanding, good people. Um, But I was just reacting against him and I didn't want to be him and I wanted to be a punk. So I was, you know, piercing my lips and piercing my ears and my tongue and I was getting tattoos and I was wearing mohawks and I was living in squats in London and um, just doing anything I could to not be part of the system. I really didn't want to be part of the system. So it was funny that years later when I became a, a father and I had to get a job, I ended up putting on a suit and tie <laughs>
0: and my friends yeah, were looking yeah, at me, man. you know, what
1: the hell are you doing in a, in a shirt and tie? You know? How did, how did,
0: how, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about some of the different things you've done, but how, did that go okay? I mean, was it, I mean, it, it was by necessity, but was it something that you truly wanted to do?
1: No, no, no. I, um, well, when I was younger, I wanted to be an actor and so I and I, I actually got into the the National Institute of Dramatic Art here in Australia, which is the school where Mel Gibson went and Kate oh. Blanchett went, you know. And I thought <laughs> when I got into this school, I thought I'm going to be a famous actor, you know. And um and I was young, and I thought that I was, you know, I was trying to make it like a noble profession that I wanted to be a thespian, but that was crap. I just wanted to be famous, <laughs> 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 you know. I just wanted to be a famous Hollywood star. Anyway, that um. You know, and and then the traveling, the, the love of travel and adventure and getting really off the beaten track. So when I was traveling, I wasn't really interested in going to places that were similar to where I grew up. I was fascinated with going, immersing myself into cultures that were completely different. You know, I was backpacking through the Pakistani mountains in the late 90s when, when you know, when they tried to kill Osama Bin Laden before 9-11, you know. and Yeah. I, I was...
0: Yeah. I just wanted to I just wanted
1: to get as far away from what was normal as possible, you know. And that love for traveling overtook the acting thing. And so then I all of those years, it was probably, you know, about a decade of wandering around. And um the, the crazy jobs that I did in between was just me trying to find ways to earn money. So by the time I was in my 30s and I'd fallen in love and got married and had kids, I had no career, I had no trade, no qualifications. I'd never been in the same job for more than 12 months. I'd been a bum, really, around the world. I was happy, but but no kind of work history, and I didn't know what to do. I know I knew I needed to feed these kids, and I'm like, shit, I got to get some sort of job and feed these kids, you know. So I got a job with a travel company because I'd been traveling, and I and I learned how to be a travel consultant, um, in a shirt and a tie, and then um, and and was quite successful. Spent eight years in that international company and ended up in senior leadership. So that's how the corporate thing came about
0: and uh how long did that how did it i mean it, it lasted eight years and could you did you want to get out
1: every minute of it um no i i if i'm if i'm gonna do something i'm gonna do it with as positive an attitude as possible okay. you know and it was I, it, I mean
0: you 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 found it through through a passion of yours i mean so that that helps yeah
1: yeah, and i did you know and my um my intentions were. Were good. My intentions were to provide. I was a dad now, and and I've always um, felt very grateful, and also felt really um, like I took the responsibility on. I wanted to, and I still do, want to be the best the, the best dad I can possibly be. You know, so I took that seriously, and that meant providing. You know, and p- part of the old archetype, and you know, there'll probably be some listeners that get upset when I say this, but uh, you know. If if you met me, you'd go. Actually, he's a nice guy. So I am a nice guy, but part of the old archetype for me as a dad was to provide, you know, to put a roof over their heads and um, to to do what I could do to clothe them and feed them and just do the basics, you know. And so I, I took that um, happily, took that responsibility on. So I wasn't I wasn't bitching and complaining about some shitty job that I was in, you know. I was. Oh no being, no no no. I was being yeah, positive. That that, that yeah. old
0: archetype would be perfectly acceptable with my audience if if they oh, okay, hurt cool. Me. Cool, if cool. they heard me talk they're not going to have a problem with that what anybody we we kind of let everybody do their own thing as long as they're not screwing up somebody else so
1: yeah right that's pretty simple but then it's it's interesting though man at the end cuz i then what happened is for someone who was so anti-establishment and i was wandering barefoot around um mainly in asia for a long time with i had dreadlocks halfway down my back and a and a beard as long as yours and, nice. um, and then, so to, to then go into the shirt and tie consciously at the start, but then what happened was I actually got sucked into the system. I got sucked into it around make as much money as possible, work hard, play hard. And, you know, and I moved away from my values and the, the, the corporate pressure, the incessant pressure, relentless to drive net profit growth. Month on month, quarter on quarter, year on year. And if you're not growing net profit growth, you become irrelevant, um, which is what ended up happening to me. I had a midlife, a beautiful midlife awakening um, and remembering. And I got, I lost my job, lost my marriage, lost my house, lost everything except for the two boys um, and had the opportunity to remember. Ah, oh, shit, I remember about life and my connection to it and and i got to restart all over again but yeah it got pretty hectic in my early 40s was
0: there was there a catalyst to it was it all at once or did it It
1: was in the period of a, of a, a year or two um and it was coming to a head there was a few different catalysts um just prior to it my father was diagnosed with a brain tumor and we knew he was dying so from from diagnosis to death was a year and my youngest brother, who was living in Canada, um, we were all quite global, living around the world. We all came back to Melbourne, Australia, to um, nurse dad through palliative care uh, at home. And so we all came home. And my youngest brother, who was 30, he said to mum, Look, I'm going to move back to Australia. I will, we'll nurse dad through, and then I'll live with you, mum, and, and make sure you're okay after dad's gone. Four months after dad died, my youngest brother died on a motorbike head on so that's two of the closest people to me in my life I've lost on motorcycle accidents I haven't ridden motorbikes since then I used to ride motorbikes a lot um, anyway so then my brother died and that one really hurt and that that to, actually to date that has been the most painful grieving experience I've been through and my family as well um, so that happened um, and then things were going south in my marriage you know we were just getting it was getting more and more toxic And, and also at work, I was moving away from my values at work. And then I had a, quite a, quite a cathartic, amazing experience in a North American Indian sweat lodge on traditional Aboriginal land here, sacred land here in Australia. And there was a group of men, we've been sitting in men's circle around a fire and we had a sweat and I had a, I had a ridiculous out-of-body experience in this sweat. And then a dream that night and realized that, um, that I'd become really lost and and had to you know look after myself again. So that was the catalyst. Yeah,
0: that's crazy. I uh, I I have a, a business partner and acquaintance, a friend that that kind of went through the same similar thing with the with the corporate, and and then had an awakening and is yeah. um, much happier and uh, a better person, I think, for it for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't have regrets. Um, you know everything everything that's happened, every decision. An action that I've um taken to, regardless of how functional or dysfunctional it was, everything that's ever happened leading up to this moment should have happened because it did um, and uh, yeah. in that, you know
0: <laughs> yeah i i did a I did some videos one day I was kind of walking, and um I do kind of a a think about it question every morning on my show, and yep. it got me thinking about um Do I regret any decisions I've made? Have I made any, what was the worst? I think it was, what was the worst wrong decision you've made in your life or something similar to that? And it just really got me thinking that I haven't made any, I've made some bad decisions. i probably made a lot more bad decisions than I made right decisions or good decisions, but they all got me to right now and I'm perfectly content and happy where I am. And if I hadn't made all those bad decisions, I wouldn't be right here.
1: Yeah. 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 You know, and, and you could, we could, we could sit here and, um, and put energy and, you know, stress into, but that shouldn't have happened. You can do that as much as you want, but I mean, you ain't going to change the fact that it happened. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Done, right. Right? So it just, just doesn't make sense to me to sit here and, and regret and, and wish that that hadn't happened. That's a waste of energy. I'd rather put my energy into, okay, well, it was a pretty, dumb thing that you did um and what could you do differently next time like let's talk about evolving and improving hopefully you know
0: right right so here you are 18 you, you're kind of lost in life and you you lost your friend and you're grieving but you probably didn't really like you didn't know you were grieving you're just pissed off everything happened yeah and you take off and not like you didn't go to the next town over
1: Yeah, I went as far as I could, man. I went, I moved to the other side of the world, literally. London, London is about as opposite, you know, opposite (laughs) end of the globe from Melbourne, Australia, where I grew up. And I just went there, man. I wanted to just get away from my parents. I wanted to smoke weed and drink booze and party and I don't know, just just get away. Yeah.
0: Did you have any money with you or did you I mean did you plan (laughs) it or did you just screw it? I had
1: no money, man. I arrived in London with nothing. I spent the first couple of weeks sitting on piccadilly circus and the the street i became friends with the kids on the street and they showed me a soup kitchen where we could go and get free food and stuff and and i did that for a couple of weeks and then i thought look i better get a job um yeah so i got a job
0: (laughs) i I mean you you're 18 you just got out of school i guess you're an actor you could probably you or you were going to you wanted to be an actor you could probably like uh like convince somebody into letting you sell yeah. something or well, how did, how'd you go about finding a job in London and you've been you've been kind of like homeless for three weeks
1: oh that was yeah you just there's you know you go into a pub where all the other Aussies are and there's a notice board saying you know if you or I remember this in London it said in the newspaper this was back in uh 89 1989 1990 okay. and in the newspaper in the job section for laboring work you know, like just working as a laborer on a building site. And it said, if you are on the corner of this street and this street at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning, we'll give you a day work and see whether you fit or not. And I just turned up on the corner of this street and this street at seven o'clock in the morning and I got one day's work, worked my ass off and they said, you can come back. Nice. And I had to work on nice. building sites. And then I used to think, you know, uh, this is back in the, the day i've got a bit more compassion now and a, and a little bit more understanding but back in the day i used to see people sitting on the street begging going give me money and i and i was like get off your ass and go and do some work like i'm working i've got no money i got a job and i remember having this conversation with this guy one time he was about the same age as me and he was sitting there asking me for money next to the next to the atm machine you know, and I'm going to withdraw my my 20 quid to go and get some food. And he's asking me for my money. And I sat down with him and I'm like, dude, three weeks ago, I was on the street. I didn't have a job. And he goes, yeah, well, blah, blah, blah. And I said, just get a, you get a job. He goes, I can't, I haven't got a permanent address. And I said, mate, yesterday morning, I turned up to the corner of this street and this street. I had no address. They didn't ask me anything. They just took me onto a building site, gave me some work and then gave me some money, you know. But anyway, I understand it's not that simple. But, um, you know, oh, it and can look, be though. And, and that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. Like we, we've, yeah.
0: we've made it to a point where, and I mean, there are extenuating circumstances, but I think, I think especially in, in the United States, at least we've made it too easy to just not do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. You know, I remember another time you, you reminded me, Brian, um, in terms of using, using my acting skills to, um, to allow myself to experience, a part of life that normally I wouldn't. There was a time in India where, um, and this is when I was in my late 20s, but I wanted to really run this experiment of letting go of any design of the future and any design of identification. So rather than being so-and-so's partner or being an actor or being a, you know, that I just wanted to see if I could disappear into the fabric of of India Um, and not wealthy India, poor, poor India, so I um, I was mainly barefoot. I wore local garb. I had one tiny small bag. I had very little possessions. I had a little kerosene cooker, you know, where you pump the kerosene to get the gas yeah. cooker going. And I had one pot and some spices and I'd cook most of my meals. Um, and I lived very, very simply. And I wanted to see if I could, and I had a beard and dreadlocks. So they kind of pigeonholed me as some kind of weird looking Western sadhu Um or a hippie bum seeking spiritual enlightenment. Um, but I did actually manage to to achieve what I wanted to achieve. And I, I used to sit in the cattle class on the train, so on the floor with the untouchables. And, you know, I got to the point where people stopped begging from me in India, because they, they I just assimilated into um, the culture and was wandering around there barefoot for quite a long time. And, and I was acting, man, I had, you know, I had money, I came from a, a middle-class family in melbourne australia and i had some money saved in the bank so i was a fraud um but i was doing it with good intentions i wanted to understand what it was like for them you
0: were but were you you weren't really a fraud i mean you were you were living by that lifestyle i wouldn't call that necessarily a fraud
1: yeah thank you i appreciate that yeah maybe yeah you know you're right and i was living by that lifestyle you know and when i would i'd go to a village. And um, and I'd go and buy my my vegetables from the market in the town square in the village. Get my veggies, and you know, and I was living outdoors a lot. I'd, I was it's, people say living rough. It wasn't rough to me. It was just living in nature. It was beautiful. It's just, it's just living, <laughs> just living. You know, I'd just string up my hammock and um, bury my bury my passport. Dig a hole in the ground and bury my passport and my travellers checks. Do you remember travellers checks?
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, before I remember, I remember going to uh, so my I lived in Western New York uh, most of my life growing up, and a friend of mine was in the Navy and he got stationed in San Diego. Yeah. So, this was like my first trip, it wasn't like my first trip by myself, but like first trip where I was taking a significant amount of money with me. Cause we were going to go out, we were going to party. We were going to go to Mexico. We we're going to do all sorts of, you know, cause yeah. I was like 21. And yeah. uh, so my mom is like insisting that I buy all these travelers checks. This was when I, this was in the period when I had moved home and I hadn't moved out yet. And yep. so they insisted I buy these travelers checks. So I buy, I buy like thousand dollars in travelers checks. And I take a bunch of cash and whatever. Yeah. And I get there. And I'm in this little town south of San Diego, and um, I go, dude, I gotta go to the, I gotta go to the the store to cash this traveler's check because they're not gonna take it at a bar. Yeah, I want to yeah, the yeah. waitress. Here, here's a hundred dollars traveler's check,
1: checks, and then they're like, "What?" <laughs> and so yeah.
0: I, I go to the I go to this uh, this little bodega on the corner, and I'm trying to explain to this girl who speaks zero English that yeah. this is this is actually money. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I'm trying to hand it across the counter, and she's looking at it. Go, we don't take checks. I'm like, it's not a check.
1: No, you're like, (laughs) it's a travel check, yeah. Oh, it took me like
0: four five or six stops to find someplace I finally found like a, a Walgreens, like a, a chain. And they're like, Oh yeah, we'll cash that for you.
1: Yeah. 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 My, um, my 19 year old said to me, like he's asking me questions about traveling. He's going, dad, you know, how do I, when I get to a foreign city, how do I, and I'm like, what do you mean? How do you, you look at, you've got a smartphone, mate. It's all there. You know, yeah. I was trying to explain to him that, you know, there were days when I was traveling before email, and, and I would, you know, do a handwritten letter to my parents very, very occasionally, not regularly at all. And I'd do a handwritten letter and I'd say, look, I think I might be in Delhi in a month. And they would write any correspondence was a letter and it was sent to the GPO, to the post restaurant in the city. And I'd get to Delhi uh, and I'd go to the, the main general post office in, in Delhi with my passport and go in and they'd go to a pigeonhole and find any mail. You know, if I changed my mind and decided to go to Islamabad instead of Delhi, I just wouldn't get the mail, you know. And yeah. I remember a friend of mine once, um, a traveling friend said, you've got to get this email thing. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not into computers and stuff. No, nah, not doing it. I was an old hippie, you know. And she's going, no, no, you don't understand. You need email. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> She dragged me into this internet cafe that you used to pay by the minute to get online. Uh-huh. Um, and she dragged me in there and set me up with my first hotmail account and when I understood what email was I was like what you're telling me that people can write me letters online and anywhere where there's internet I can read all my mail and she's going uh-huh and I was like wow <laughs>
0: yeah well we're so my wife and I um, in September so we had a 35 acre farm in in Minnesota for oh eight eight years or so we raised all the animals and everything. And and we decided we hated the weather there, the cold, just the, just the, it hurts. And so we sold it all. I retrofitted a camper, a travel trailer and uh, put in solar and a composting toilet and a wood stove. And we sold our farm and we're basically traveling around the U S so we have no, we have no home. Um, I have a, a, a mailbox uh, in and for residency reasons, we're going to figure that out. But we deal with the just the very minimal like today I had to get my coffee order. I get a monthly coffee subscription from the guy that I was telling you about that the, the yes, less, right. corporate um, yeah. and figuring out where to get it mailed like right. and how to receive it uh we do a lot of general delivery at the post office of the nearest town uh-huh. um, <laughs> and but i can't imagine not being able to do all my banking all my billing all of that online like yeah. it, i can't imagine i mean obviously our bills have gone down and probably without the internet a lot of my bills would be a lot lower uh, with like yeah. internet service but I can't imagine trying to figure that out um, with the, it's, it's so hard with all the electronic help.
1: Yeah. 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 Incredible. You know, and, and it's, I think it's good for us to remember um, pre, you know, this latest explosion of technology and, and the internet really um, it's, it's good to remember what it was like before. Uh, and I know that I'm sounding like one of those dudes where my kids go, Oh yeah, dad. when I'm saying, Oh, back in my day, <laughs> <laughs> it's the stereotypical old person going, yeah, back in my day. But it's true. You know, times change. And look, technology growing exponentially. I find this fascinating, man. Our brains are not wired to be able to comprehend exponential growth. So doubling 2, four, eight, 16, 32, right? We can't comprehend it. We can only comprehend linear growth because of the right. old wiring of our brains. So when you say to someone, if you were to take 30 linear steps heading north from where you are right now, where would you end up as in just one, two, three, four, five, six? And people can imagine, they go, I'd probably end up over on the other side of the street over there. But when you say to someone, if you took 30 exponential steps heading north from here, where would you end up? And people go, oh, I don't know, I'd end up in the North Pole. Or some people say maybe a lap of the planet if they think they're being adventurous. Do you know 30 exponential steps is 27 laps of the planet? 27 laps, right? So our brains can't get, we can't comprehend exponential growth. So, what does the world look like in terms of technology in 10 years from now? <sighs> right.
0: Well, yeah, that, so one of my listeners actually wrote in a question, like I was telling you the contemplative question in the morning. Um, One of them submitted one that was, um, what are the things you remember sounds you remember from your life that no one will experience now, like if they were born today and it was like, you know, a rotary phone dial um, dial up internet, like fax machine buzz, like those kind of things. Um, And that got me thinking about all the things I've seen. So mm. you said you were 51. I'm 45. So we're close enough to have experienced yeah. the same growth. But I remember yeah. installing an eight track player into a car. Uh-huh. Not like having a car with an eight track player in it because it was old piece of shit that kids bought. Like yeah. I put an eight track player into a car because I had eight tracks that I wanted to play. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah so
0: like i have seen a little bit of change like i bought the mini disc player i bought the cd player i bought the record player the, the tape deck like all the way through and all the internet stuff and i'm i'm really into cryptocurrency um as a technology Yep. and seeing the exponential growth like you mentioned in the technology of everything else i look at that and and see um how infancy it is and where it could go and that yeah, just gets me excited. But it's that same feeling that you're talking about, the exponential growth and the changes we've seen.
1: Yeah, yeah, crazy. I mean, look, if we are going to be here in 50 years, who knows? Um, I, I just choose to, to uh, believe that we will be because that makes my day more enjoyable rather than well, well, walking around. Right. like the <laughs> it's, See, the funny thing is, right, we are all going to die and we don't know when right? It could be tomorrow. It could be whenever. This is something that really came home for me, losing my best friend at 18 and then losing my dad and my brother when my brother was only 30. Um, so, So who knows when, but it is going to happen at some point in time. So I can choose to live today miserable easily. I could look around. There's enough stuff going on that could make me really, really pissed off and apathetic and miserable. Or I can choose to look at things that make me feel good, positive, positive into it um laughing having you know as much fun as possible right that's a choice i I do not understand why you would want to be miserable (laughs) but a lot of people are
0: (laughs) so you, you talked about the kind of the the um you don't know we're all dying um and when we were we were kind of deciding to take this journey and and sell our shit and go on the road people looked at us like we were nuts well, they yeah. looked at us like we were nuts when we bought our farm, too. This was kind of before the prepper thing and all that. Like, we wanted to get the hell out of the city because I didn't like the way the city felt. I wanted yeah. to go in the country. And then yeah. everybody else wanted to go in the country. Well, yeah. we decided we wanted to go on this journey. And, and um, I was talking to Corey's grandfather, who was 98 years old and a World War II veteran. And he'd seen some shit in his day. And yeah. he said, do it. He says, don't give a shit what anybody thinks. Yeah. If that's what you want to do, go experience yeah. it because otherwise you're going to be sitting here at 98 going, man, I wonder what would have happened if you if we had actually bought that camper and drove around and saw what, what happened. He's like, yeah. what can it hurt?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So good, man. If you've got something you want to do, do it. Yeah. You know, yeah, 100%. Now that's great. So, yeah, I don't know what it's going to look like in the future, but, um, but uh, you know. I I choose to believe that we'll be around and we'll be doing something and we'll see. You know, the mainstream news, I know you get this. I haven't watched or subscribed or purchased mainstream news for about 30 years. And, well, I don't uh, have
0: thirty. Uh, I, I mean, I got—I uh, don't know—at least a dozen or more years. We have, yeah, 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 yeah. And we checked uh, out a long time ago. TV, mainstream bullshit, yeah, anything.
1: Mainstream stuff because it's because they are um, making money off the the way that we're wired and we, are, we our attention goes towards negative stuff and fearful stuff and so so the bad news sells, right? The the horrible negative news sells, um, and I don't want to be a part of that. But there's a couple of organizations. Oh, there's probably plenty of them, but two that I follow in particular, that they're, they're news. It's, it's global news, real news, but it's positive news. It's the okay. stuff that we are doing well, that we're doing good, the breakthroughs in sustainability, the breakthroughs in, you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, one of them is called Future Crunch. These are mates of mine here in Australia, Future Crunch. Actually, he is, as we speak now, my mate got offered to speak at the TED, the TED conference in Vancouver and I'm pretty sure it's on this week or next week, um, and he's speaking on the TED stage, which is oh, nice. amazing. Um, and so that's Future Crunch if anyone's interested. And they um, they collate global news, so it's real news, but it's all the good stuff, you know. And what you focus on shows up more, right? Yeah. If you're focused on if you're focused on violence, violence shows up. If you're focused on um whatever it is it tends to show up more you know yeah, uh, so there, yeah I mean, there's, there's,
0: there's a proven there's a proven metric there that the more you agitate people the more you can divide the people the more you can divide the people the more you can agitate the people the easier yeah. it goes the more we can sell the more headlines like when yeah. we did you did you come to this conclusion from not doing it and then like noticing a difference um we we quit watching tv first um like normal tv and kind of went to just streaming networks and realized we stopped buying shit we didn't need and then we realized we were being we were being coerced into buying shit because we were seeing it because i would go to the store and buy shit and i'd be like why the hell did i buy that when i stopped watching tv i wasn't picking up everything going i don't know why i want this but i know i have to put it in the cart yeah so that was like a light bulb moment for me with the with the the programming
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I grew up in a house where um, my dad would always mute the ads. So as soon as the actual show went to commercials, my dad would mute it, um, and that was just the way we grew up. So the the ads were always on mute. Although, mind you, visually they were probably still subliminally getting in there. Um, and I'm uh, streaming's great because w- we don't watch mainstream um, TV as well, which means no commercials. So that's cool. But it was mainly, it was the news, you know, through all those years of wandering around Asia, um, living out of a backpack and cooking on a fire. Um, I just didn't miss it. I just didn't that's what miss I was gonna it. Say. Did, you,
0: did you miss it? Did you feel like no. you were going to miss an event?
1: No. And, and, you know, and I always find out about stuff one way or another. It was, it's funny, my sister, cause my sister knows I don't, watch the news and when robin williams died and she said to me um she said oh you probably don't know this but did you hear that robin williams died and i'm like oh no wow i i I didn't know that she said that was like three or four days ago and i hadn't heard but i heard you know my world hadn't stopped in the meantime you know i heard when russia invaded ukraine i heard you know i just didn't see it on the news or and, you know, if you look at my book, but, but guess you know,
0: what? It didn't, it di- didn't affect you.
1: No, you know, and if something's going to affect me, I'm sure I'll hear about it. I've got, I've got community. I've got people around me. Right,
0: right, right. And <laughs> I think that the internet and the news, so the news started it. Um, the internet has kind of amplified it. Social media has blown it out of the world, but yeah. making everyone feel like everything is, is they're, I don't want to say their business, but everything is, has to matter to them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like why,
0: why, why do I care? I mean, Hey, Hey man, how's the weather going to be there tomorrow?
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's interesting. And people say, well, you know, but how can you have a relevant conversation and how can you be, how can you engage in conversations with people about, you know, anything that matters on a global scale? And look, I, I pick and choose podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts And that way I can pick and choose what I want to listen to. Um, And that obviously also being aware of confirmation bias. If I see a podcast that challenges the way I think about something, I'm curious to listen to that. Um, Part of what I'm, you know, in my later years, what I've been, striving towards is to keep opening my mind i've always i've always been into opening my mind and when i was younger it was through psychedelics and now as a an older man it's through meditation and and, and listening to people who are really different have a different point of view to me um, but i think it's important to consciously try and open my mind so it's not like i'm switching off from the world and just not um learning or listening to anything i'm just not getting it from mainstream news you know
0: right right and you well and it, it's 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 nice to find people that are the opposite of you or a little different than you that are willing to have a genuine conversation and be okay yeah. with the fact that you don't agree with them. Yeah. And and I we have this discussion quite often that it's okay if we don't agree. Like huh. I, we've lost that in society that it's okay. Yeah. Like we, we're different people, we've had different experiences. We have different brains. It's okay if we disagree, but let's just understand each other.
1: It's more than okay. It should be celebrated. You know, (laughs) diversity of thinking, diversity of opinion. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if we all saw everything exactly the same way? We'd be screwed. You know, but you're right. It's got to the point where people want to cancel you and take you down and ruin you. Just if you see something differently to them, it's like, whoa, man, seriously.
0: And And one issue defines you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because they identify with that. They identify with I'm pro-life or I'm pro-choice or I'm pro-vax or I'm anti-vax or I'm red or I'm blue or I'm this or I'm that. And they identify with it. And the problem with that is that our ego, our sense of identity will defend itself to the death. Right. right. And, if, and if we feel like our sense of identity is being threatened, we go crazy you know, and it's all ego. It's all this illusion, you know, and people identify with these ideas and then go to war over them. It's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And how
0: dare, how dare you say, I don't have an opinion. (laughs) I know, right. Are you pro-life or pro-choice? I don't have a uterus. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, I really, I don't. So I, I just don't, I don't even feel qualified to vote.
1: Am I allowed to call you a man?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Or am, I, or am I going to get into trouble?
0: Oh no, you're, you're, yeah. I have, I have a penis and a and yeah. a beard. I am a man. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Let's just go with that. Keep it simple. Far yeah. out.
0: Oh yeah. man, that's great. It's uh, it blows my mind the way society has gotten. And I was raised in, you know, that same time period. You were, my dad was very outspoken, um, borderline. Um, I mean, probably said a lot of things he shouldn't. Right. I heard it. I don't. Yeah. I don't believe in that. It's yeah. in my nature. But he was very outspoken. um yeah. I've I've always spoke my mind, and I'm very yeah. have weird opinions about shit. And people yeah. think that bec- I come off abrasive. That's because I'm passionate about what I believe. But that doesn't yeah. mean you can't believe what you believe.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. A hundred percent. People think, oh, you know, if you, cause I talk a lot about communication and more conscious communication and that if you're wanting to communicate with someone who has a very different opinion to you, Hey, let's start with the things we've got in common, which we have, all of us need food and shelter. We all need water. We all care about our kids, generally speaking, right? We have things in common. So let's start there and then explore the differences, you know? Um, and people say oh yeah well that, does that mean that you're just a pushover and you then you just agree with everyone all the time and i said no not at all no it's not about agreeing but we can sit there and um discover and explore difference and still at the end of it say hey i opened my mind to you and i still disagree and that's okay oh, <laughs> you know yeah i remember yeah. this guy in um there was a i was chatting with this guy in pakistan uh, a young university student devout muslim and and we were chatting on a bus together. And it was actually just after the time, um, I don't know if you remember, but the there was a bombing of an American embassy in Africa. And, you know, the um, Osama bin Laden claimed it. And then the American government sent cruise missiles into Pakistan back in the 90s mm-hmm. to try and kill Osama bin Laden. I happened to be living and traveling around Pakistan at the time. Anyway, um, this, this young American guy who I'd met on a bus, he got stones, rocks thrown at him at, a, at one of the bus stops because they, they heard that he was American. So they started throwing rocks at him. I'm like, dude, that's a bit rough. You, know, you, you weren't the one who sent the cruise missiles. He goes, man, I don't even vote. I'm, I'm anti the government. You know? But he was getting rocks thrown at him, which I thought was crazy. And then I was chatting with this university student and he said to me this thing I'll always remember. He said, if we cut your skin here and we cut my skin here, we have the same colored blood. He looked at me, he said, you and me, we're the same, right? All of this external difference is just external. At the core of it all, we're the same. And I thought that was really beautiful. I remembered that, you know, and um, he accepted me, even though I was an atheist. And I accepted him, even though he was a devout Muslim. And we had a really lovely six hour bus ride together, you know.
0: That's, I mean, that's, that's, Those are the experiences here um, many, many, many years later that stick out in your head because it was probably a very fruitful discussion. Yeah. You know, and even if and I've always take I try to take away, even if they don't change my mind, I try to at least grab something to ponder. Um, I have trouble sleeping at night sometimes and and those things that creep into your head and you ponder like I hold those things to ponder. Am I actually wrong? have I, have I misinterpreted? Am I this, am I this passionate about it that I'm blind to this and I'll contemplate it and I'll chew on it. And who knows, maybe six months later, they do change
1: my mind. Yeah. Heaven forbid. Imagine. I'm okay with that. that. (laughs) Yeah. No, man. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I hope to have my mind changed on stuff because if you don't, you're not learning anything. Right. You know, if you've got an idea on the way you think things should be or the way you think things are, and you stay stuck on that and you hold tightly onto that and you defend your perspective for your whole life, what the hell are you learning? Right. You know, not much. And, and for me, it's about, you know, if there is a meaning to life, um, and that's it's a, a lovely thing to philosophically contemplate and debate anyway, but if there was a meaning to life, to me it's got something to do with evolution. It's got something to do with evolving you know, expanding into our potential, learning, growing, right? Not staying stuck. Um, yeah. You know, and so people will say to me, "Oh, yeah, but but you know, violence is just a part of our history, and and as men, we should, you know, the, this that we, should, we we're violent because of you know the evolution of us as a species and scarcity and you know having to protect the tribe and blah blah blah." I'm going, "Yes, yes, that may be as it is, but moving forward, do we have to always be like that? Can we not evolve?" Could we not find a way to survive and thrive as a species without needlessly being violent towards each other? Is that not something we could aim for? <laughs> you know,
0: it's a silly goal. I mean, that yeah. Let's <laughs> we'll just kill each other and I know, we'll just right? keep on going what we're doing, and eventually, eventually, we'll make bombs and shit big enough that we just all are gone, and yeah yeah, work. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Screw, and the, and screw the, this making shit better man this, this is such the a weird idea breathe,
1: the planet will will breathe a sigh of relief when yeah, we're no gone shit. we we are a virus man it's insane have you have you read the book sapiens by yuval harari oh dude this book is insane it's such a great book but he talks about how us as a species and not just um what Homo sapiens have done, but what Homo sapiens did to all the other Homo species, Neanderthal and Homo erectus and Homo australis and all the other, all of the Homo species, we annihilated all of them. And as we spread around the planet, we annihilated 97% of species everywhere we went. You know, it's crazy. We're like, I'm looking going, wow, we really are a virus on this planet. And um, when we're gone, uh, the earth will be like, Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of, one, of my,
0: uh, one of my listeners here says, my three-year-old told me he had to pee today. He had actually shat himself this is the meaning of life
1: <laughs> yeah right i mean those those
0: are the moments that you uh, I, I remember my son um before my wife and i split i used to do this i would bartend overnight and my wife worked at a coffee shop she opened it in the morning so we were basically in the house for an hour together yeah. and then i was getting up with the baby and taking the baby to daycare and then going back and working two bartending shifts, you know, right. you know, the life as a life as a young parent. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so one day I get up and I overslept a little bit, and I hear him in there, and he's in his crib, is still young enough being a crib, and I hear him kind of playing. And so I'm like, I'm gonna take a little bit more nap, and I fall back asleep, and I get up, and I'm like, oh, I'm running late. I run into the bedroom. He had been playing, but he had taken his diaper off, and he had just. Yes. all over the walls and himself <laughs> and here i am like yes. cut cutthroat, throat trying to get to work and i just like uh. <laughs> I work, I said, i'm gonna be an hour late
1: <laughs> dude had, hour late. <laughs> i have had exactly the same experience exactly the same experience and then i had to pick him up and he was covered in his own shit and it was yep. all smeared into the side of the crib and everything right and i had to pick him up and I'm a hairy man, right? i a hairy chest and he was covered in it and I was naked and it's all smearing into me. And then like, I was trying to hold him away from me, but to get yep. in the shower with him and to turn on the shower, I had to hold him right up into me. And I'm just going, this is the most disgusting part of parenting, surely.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then, and then your kid's an adult and they say something like, I'm embarrassed. And you're like, Pfft.
1: Yeah. No chance. No yeah, chance. yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the meaning of life? Clean the shit off the kid.
0: There you go. There you go. Yeah. You got to have a kid. You got to clean shit off it. And then you're good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you recently wrote a book.
1: Yeah, it's about a year ago now. But yes, that's pretty recently. Yeah.
0: I mean, in the grand scope of things, it's 150th of, of it. So
1: yeah, uh, yeah. It, it does feel pretty recent. The Art of Conscious Communication for Thoughtful Men. Um, and someone pulled me up on that and said, well, you know, try online, like on Facebook or something and tried to make me feel awkward about writing a book for men. And my, my beautiful partner, Talia, said, "Oh, just tell them it's for people who identify as men. you know." And I was like, anyway, I was writing the book for, for everyone um, initially. And I got a book writing mentor and she said to me, um, she said, I think you'd need to pick a niche you guys call it a niche I think and she said you need to pick a niche because it's too broad and she said I think this would be really good for men this book um so I did so I I I turned the manuscript and, and then wrote it for men but it's interesting though Brian most of the people who are picking it up off the shelf metaphorically are female um and they are writing to me and saying thank you for the book it's awesome and now I've got to try and get my husband or my son or my brother to read it but um yeah look I it's it's something that I'm pretty passionate about i I think communication is ultimately vital and important to us as a species i mean if if we can't communicate we can't do anything we can't take an idea and manifest it into reality we can't um, bridge these divides of difference that we've been talking about you know we can't run a business we can't raise children you know communication we can't have a a relationship so communication is massively important and i think so much so that we overlook it as something that we could get better at, you know, and when our ego, like we were talking about before, when our ego gets in the way and starts trying to shut the other person down and defend our idea and, um, you know, reacting to to the stimulus from around us, um, that's not very conscious. It's not very conscious. And I think for us to be able to communicate, which means to come to some kind of understanding or sharing of something, um, we need to be able to rise above that to some degree.
0: Do you think we've lear- lost the art of learning how to communicate because of technology?
1: So many factors. Yeah, that plays into it. Yeah, I that see, I see that. It. I
0: mean, you see that you see it start with language. Um, I think because we talked we kind of seen the, the evolution of, of technology. Um, I've seen the ability for people to communicate. And I worked in hospitality for like a decade. Um, mm-hmm. Out of high school, so I, I I communicated over the bar with thousands and thousands of people um, and servers, and so both on the customer side and on the coworker side, I've seen the ability for people to carry a conversation um, drastically diminish, and then beyond uh, to present day. So this was into the early 2000s, but it started with an evolution of speech. Um, going to acronyms, going to the things yeah. that we shortened everything to. We stopped yeah. talking in full sentences. We started talking like we text and email, um, and then the conversations went the way of nothing. Because yeah. what do you really talk about with someone in a text message? Yeah, there's no emotion. Yeah. There's no there's no substance to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? And we've got to a we've got to a, a time where. People don't just pick up the phone on a whim and call someone to say g'day, to say hi, and see how you're going. In fact, we text the person first saying, is, it okay, is now an okay time for me to call you? Screw that. I don't do that. I just pick up the phone and call someone. If, they, if, they, if it's not a good time to talk, don't answer the phone. <laughs> you know, I just call right. people. And people go, my friends know me, so they don't ask me this. But, but people who don't know me very well, they're like, uh, what are you calling for? What, what do you need? And I'm like, no, I'm just ringing up to say hi and have a chat, shoot the shit, talk about the weekend, see how you are, you know. Um, but that, that doesn't happen so much anymore. Yeah. And I think what you're saying is true, you know, because of technology, um, the ability to just be free flowing in a situation like you and I coming into this conversation now, we didn't plan this. We didn't script no. it. We just got together and start chatting, right? And I, think I, I, I
0: looked at that. your background and I looked at the title of your book and I said, I don't even need to write down questions.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's just have a chat. <laughs> I just,
0: I don't even. I mean, I'll interview people where I'm. I'm trying to do like a. Uh, I'll do like an SEO kind of thing, like tips on SEO and an interview like that. I look but, at an interview like this, and this is a conversation. And these are these are by far my favorite to do. And yep. my both well listened.
1: Yeah, right. And the and the most oh, not the most important uh, they, these type of conversations are really important, really important. And you could look at it on a metaphysical kind of woo woo level, like the vibrational level, blah blah blah, which I find do find fascinating and interesting. And you can also just look at it on a more pragmatic, practical level, where two people are talking about um, stuff that matters in a no bullshit, non-censored way, just having a conversation about it and whoever's listening or not, um, it, it sparks more conversation. It's, it sparks more communication, you know, yeah. and that's the way forward from stuff. It's either we either talk about things and especially the tricky stuff, the stuff that's not easy to talk about. We either talk about it or it, it, we get violent about it, you know, that's the only two ways forward.
0: Right. And I mean, and that's so I think I I just kind of made a connection. Um, I've referenced it actually a couple times tonight. But that question in the morning, that is actually really the intent of asking that question to people is to make them think and maybe ask somebody else, or maybe read it and say, Hey, this is what I thought. And then we talk about it in the in my my online groups and things like that. And then they maybe go well yeah i got in this discussion with this guy about this question what do you think yeah because even if it's even if it's an ego thing i know i was right
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: they're still posing the question to someone else and how many people did that person talk to like those those aren't um that wasn't why i did it to begin with but as i do it and i've up to like the 60th time those are the things you see and you hope are happening
1: yeah, yeah. I heard another great way of putting a question. Um, there's, a, there's a guy here in Australia who his, his not-for-profit um, passion project that he's initiated, which is going global and it's great, is called Saving Brothers. And it's, um, it's all about men's mental health and, and, and being there for each other because a lot of um, – and this is a generalisation, I know, but a lot of males, uh, if they are suffering mentally – or emotionally, they suffer in silence. They don't tell anyone about it because you can't be vulnerable. you got to be, you know, strong. Uh, so his question, when he says, you know, g'day, how are you? How are you going? Rather than just going, how are you going? Because people can go, oh, yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, mate. How are you? Kind of thing. He says, how are you on a scale of one to 10? That's, that's his question. And it makes you think and you go, "Huh, oh, actually today I'm probably a six. And then he goes, "Tell me about the six, man. How'd you come to that number?" So he's actually now going into a real conversation about how you really are, not just. And it doesn't of,
0: matter the number that they, the number that they give, because I want to celebrate your ten.
1: Yeah. Right. I'm a ten. That's awesome. What's going on that that gives you a ten, man? What are you excited about? I would about, really man? want
0: to be a ten.
1: Um. So if you could clue me in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Share some of that juice
0: yeah and uh so martinson family says a lot of guys say nothing until they they kill themselves until they paint the ceiling they just eat it um and that and i see that i see that around i did it i did it to myself i i didn't say anything i just drank it like i drank it
1: me too i I suffered i drank
0: it away and i had a a huge explosion and then i quit for over a decade
1: yeah yeah and
0: and once i realized why i had to quit it wasn't because i was drinking yeah. It was because I was fucking angry and miserable and I wouldn't tell anybody or talk about it because I didn't know how, and I didn't know that it was okay.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. So true. And look, it's, it's heartening now that there's a lot of work in this space. You know, I've been interviewed on a lot of podcasts over the last year, um, and specifically towards, um, making change in this space, men's mental health. So it's good. There's, there's a lot of work going on.
0: Good, man. Good. Um, other than your book, what do you got going on right now? You got, uh, are you mostly in Australia? Are you kind of global because of the internet or, or what, what's, uh, what can my, my audience look for you, uh, besides heading over and picking up your book for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, we'll check out the TEDx talk on, on YouTube. If you just type my name into YouTube, the TEDx talk will come up and Um, so that's there. I am doing a, a, there's a concerted effort to push my work into the States. So my work is leadership coach. Essentially I coach leaders, um, my bread and butter stuff here in Australia, I coach executives and, you know, senior leaders. We have a few, we, I have a few government department clients, uh, a lot of clients in the health sector, um, but also in, in the private sector as well, corporate. So I coach leaders on how to be better leaders and create better workplace culture. And we're pushing these programs into the States now. So um, I sit on a consulting board based out of Vancouver and I have a sales team based in the States who are starting to generate that work. So that's cool. Um, I have online programs, you know, ranging from an introduction to mindfulness meditation program. I have a personal resilience program. They all sit on my website. You can find everything through the website. But yeah, man, I'm pretty accessible. I love having good conversations, and and I'm I'm here if if anyone reaches out with any questions or anything, I'm always going to respond. I'm not one of these people who's you know so successful and busy that you can never <laughs> communicate with them. Um, I'm a pretty simple Aussie bloke. I live in a surfing town. I don't. I haven't lived in the city for a long time. I grew up in the city, but like you, I just wanted to get out. And we live in a small little town here, Bell's Beach, which is on the do, the do world you surf after. Um, not as much as I'd like to. I, I was surfing a lot more um, earlier, but I put a, I put a more effort into my business lately. I had a, I had a nice lifestyle business where I was not working very much and I was earning enough money to surf and feed the kids. Um, but I've, I'm kind of on a bit of a mission to help more people now. So I've been we've, putting more effort into we, the business.
0: We've touched on this show a lot and it's, it's really... It's interesting because it's come from different guests and different backgrounds, um, but we talk a lot about waves and surfing comes up a lot, uh, wave energy, um, ground and plant energy, uh, when we talk about grounding and barefoot living. Uh, Surfing, never done it. I bet I was a boogie boarder, uh, like a body surfer type when I was a kid when we'd go on vacation, but never really surfed. Um, but I, 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 always try to imagine that that is the ultimate being one with the energy that's, that's kind of pushing you around.
1: Yeah, it is, man. It, it really is. It's, um, it, it's really quite something and it, and it's, it's different again to snowboarding I and mean, snowboarding's cool because it's natural and you're using gravity and it's fun and there's the adrenaline and, and, and that's all super cool. So they're similar, but there's something about sitting in the ocean you know, and feeling the ocean moving. And then when the ocean's moving and there's there's proper waves and, and energy and the adrenaline goes, and then so there's the fun aspect of harnessing that um, and and surfing. But for me, as important is just sitting in the ocean. You know, it's really, and, and nature therapy is something that's well-documented now, as, as you know. And in Japan, they've been measuring the benefits of of um, tree bathing, they call it, where they go and just lie in the forest. Um, but I'm a massive, I'm a massive nature lover and, and, and spend a lot of time in, in nature, whether it's walking in the mountains. We, we take people, um, on retreats in the Himalayan mountains in North India every year, my partner and I, and we go super, super remote. So where we go, there's no people. It's not like Nepal where you're trekking along and there's a million other trekkers. my, brothers over there who i've known for 25 years in this little village up in the himalaya we get pack horses um they my brothers know these mountains like the back of their hands and we get off the grid and your phone doesn't work and you have no reception and we go and cook on a fire and shit in the bushes and and trek in these beautiful stunning himalayan mountains and it's this nature immersion um, that is really a fundamental part of the retreat that we run over there so yeah man I, i get in the ocean when i can
0: that, that, I mean, I, I think you, I think you get a year's worth of, uh, ocean pass from doing what you just described. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey
0: man, I, uh, I asked you for an hour. We're, we're just a bit over. Uh, if you have anything you, you want to say to wrap up, I, I give you the floor. Um, other than that, we can, uh, we can kind of wrap it up. I'll have all your, uh, I'll have your website in, the, um, show notes. And then I'll also throw the two programs you mentioned too. I'll, uh, I'll look up the links for those and get those put in there too. So people can check those out,
1: but, uh, yeah. any, any last thoughts to leave the people with? Oh man. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I, um, I feel really honored and it's been lovely connecting with you and, you know, same old, same old, we've all heard it before. Life's short, be kind, be kind to yourself, be kind to people, be kind to a stranger. Really? It's too short.
0: Thanks, man. Thanks, Jim. It's, it's been a, a pleasure chatting with you. I knew it would be easy. Um, and it was, and I, I really appreciate the conversation. I think we uh, touched on about everything we possibly could have in an hour. Um, uh, yeah. I appreciate you being here. I'm going to, I'm going to drop you off. And if you hang out for just a second, I'll catch up with you in a minute. I'm going to wrap things up and uh, we'll talk to you in a second.
1: Cool, man. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you. All right. That was Jem Fuller. Man, that is fantastic. I, I really encourage you to check out uh, his website, check out his book, um, and just dig in. Uh, check out the two, uh, the two programs that we mentioned on here. The links will be in the video notes, in the audio description. And I appreciate you listening. This has been another episode of Lots to Talk About, and we will catch you next time.